Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. The good news for Commanders fans, and they are one of our losers of the week, there are so many others, including the Dallas Cowboys being overrated, the Panthers and Bryce Young. It feels like he's getting worse. It's awkward watching him play. The Giants, Daniel Jones is regressing. Patriots, does Belichick even care this year? And then you look at the Denver Broncos. And that might be the most embarrassing team of all so far this season. Let me remind everyone that the Denver Broncos gave up three first-round picks, three second-round picks, one fifth-round pick, paid Russell Wilson five years, $250-45 million. Oh, and they paid $100 million for Sean Payton just to stink it up week after week after week. So there are other losers out there as we go around the NFL. Give our winners and losers of the week now. Here, joining us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Benjamin Brown. What's going on, Ben? What's up, Epstein? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on the list of you know losers. Thankfully for us, you know NFC fringe playoff teams, a lot of those teams, like you mentioned, that are losers so far, very much find themselves in the NFC. So it does seem like the the playoff picture is still very much wide open at the bottom. I would say for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go through some of my winners of the of the week here, Ben, and, and you can kind of react to this and let me know if I forgot anyone. 49ers look so good. The Jags are legit getting two wins across the pond, including that big one over Buffalo. Big win for the Bengals because I thought Joe Burrow looked more like himself, was able to scramble. Uh, rolled ankle for Kelsey, but the Chiefs get a, a win there. And then the Eagles getting to 5-0. and That defense is incredible. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I do think the Bengals specifically kind of in a must-win spot. Obviously, no one expected a ton from the Arizona Cardinals, but we're very plucky, I would say, through the first four weeks of the season. So I thought it was really good. Kind of like you said, Joe Burrow looked the most comfortable he's looked at from a pocket perspective. Obviously, they got Jamar Chase heavily involved as well. So I think that paired kind of with the Ravens, you know, completely giving up a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it does create, I would say, an opportunity for the Bengals to kind of get back to the top of the AFC North. And I think that that has to be, you know, one of the biggest wins overall for them because it very much looked, I would say, long gone and buried, uh, you know, heading into this week for sure. Do you think any divisions we could say, hey, they're wrapped up after just five weeks? I mean, you look at the Eagles have a two-game lead now on the NFC East. Uh, Chiefs have a two-game lead on the AFC West. And then uh, the NFC North. I am so impressed with the Detroit Lions at four and one. I think you could say right now they're going to win that division and maybe easily. Yeah, I very much agree with you. I think the Detroit Lions make way too much sense. I mean, if there was like any sort of semblance of life from the Minnesota Vikings against the Chiefs, obviously they had a couple drives, but they clearly look like a team in complete disarray. Not quite sure on what you know the status of Justin Jefferson. You know, heading into Week Six here, basically. So. Any sort of loss of him, you know, it is very much going to throw a complete wrench in what they're trying to do offensively. And if that happens, like, there's just not a ton of other, you know, contenders in the NFC North. It very much is kind of setting up as, you know, what looks like the worst division of football outside of the Detroit Lions. So I think for them specifically, like, they could be, you know, playing, resting their starters, trying to think through that in the last, like, three or so weeks of the season. So I think that's got to be, you know, one of the more impressive um, you know, runaway type things. And I I think you kind of mentioned the other ones that I probably would have talked about. I do think the 49ers in particular, you know, obviously the Seattle Seahawks uh, neutral this week had a bye basically. But to me, you know, after that performance on Sunday night, very much looked like the class of the entire NFL. And it just doesn't seem like, you know, anything is really going to slow them down right now. Good. So 
playing so well both offensively and defensively that I very much think they are probably, you know, the, the one that you can kind of mail it in as far as who's going to win their division. And maybe the Seahawks could kind of squeeze into that wild card spot we talked about earlier. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL through five weeks. It's Benjamin Brown with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Data and analytics for the NFL. And the most deceiving data is the standings in the AFC North with the Steelers on top at 3-2. and two. I actually believe that they're the worst team in the AFC North. I think Cleveland's better than them. Uh, the Bengals, I, I think now that they're within a game, they're going to go on a run here. The Ravens, it seems like any time I want to believe in them, they just you know completely screw up. And so I think the Steelers might be at the top of the division, but I think they're going to finish at the bottom of that division. Yeah, very much. And they've had a lot of fluky performances, basically. Obviously relying on some you know, defensive you know, turned, uh, you know, uh, you know, interceptions and fumbles basically kind of break correctly for them and win a couple of games that very much they did have. They had probably no business really winning even this matchup yesterday against the Baltimore Ravens. Like, that's one that the Ravens cannot let slip through their fingers. And kind of like you said, seeing them do that, I think very much speaks to this idea that heading into the week, the Ravens look like the class of the ASC North. And to let that one go, it's really going to be, I would say, a painful thing come December and January when we are kind of figuring out who actually is going to win this AFC North. But, you know, heading into this week, I think the Bengals were, um, you know, ha- had the longest odds basically to win the division. I think they're still kind of priced as it's like plus 475 number on DraftKings Sportsbook. And to me, like you said, like they, they, they could, for all intents and purposes, easily have the best offense in this division. That's a, that's a situation that you very much want to buy into. And if they can kind of get Joe Burrow, uh, you know, healthy enough in some of these weeks, basically, to really be playing well through the end of the season. That very much is kind of the spot I think you want to buy into for the AFC North. But I think the Browns can get there. I think defensively, you know, very much on par with the teams like the 49ers and even the Dallas Cowboys in a lot of ways, you know, pre-Trayvon Diggs injury. But to me, the Browns have just not really put it together with Sean Watson, that quarterback, in any sort of legitimate fashion against, I would say, even the top half of the league defense so until they do that uh, I very much think I'm probably siding with the Bengals over the Browns in that division Allegiant Stadium is the home of Monday Night Football tonight as the 1-3 Las Vegas Raiders host the 2-2 two two Green Bay Packers the line is Vegas minus 2 over under at 45 and a half do you have any plays on tonight's game Ben yeah, I, I am interested to see, you know, what we see from the, the Packers offensively. Obviously, Aaron Jones is going to be, you know, in the fold, basically, shouldn't really be limited from a snaps perspective. Same with Christian Watson. So this could very much be, you know, the, the best combination of players that they have around Jordan Love this season. And I don't think that we've seen, you know, enough from the Raiders defensively, um, you know, outside of Max Crosby to really think that they're going to be all that effective slowing the Packers down, and, and, and Green Bay has been so good throwing the ball deep that uh, I am maybe leaning in their direction a little bit. I think if you can get it at plus two and a half, um, you know, plus 110 on the money line, like the Packers do make a lot of sense. I also like Christian Watson to, you know, potentially go over his longest reception, um, reception prop number, basically. I think, you know, we are going to see uh, a number of shots where they are trying to hit the deep ball. Uh, that's kind of been their MO to start the season. I don't see anything from – you know, what the, what the Raiders can do defensively to really slow that down. So Watson to go over 20.5, longest reception, I also think is a really interesting play. And if that does happen, I do think the Packers are probably going to run away with this one. 
Follow Ben on social media at Ben underscore R underscore Brown underscore NFL data scientist, also a contributor for Pinnacle. And and Ben does radio shows around the country. And as a guy that does shows all around the country here, and I and I love the work you do, do you know, could you pick one fan base right now that you think is the most down in the dumps through five weeks? Oh, man, I think after tonight it might be the Raiders. But, of course, you know, you always hear about you know where 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 they're even finding those fans at in a lot of ways. Uh, um, so I would have to go with probably the Denver Broncos. I mean, you know, the expectations for where they were supposed to be last season, and then you know maybe Sean Payton figuring things out, and they clearly you know are losing to you know a New York Jets team at home that's starting Zach Wilson, and and a lot of it you know outside of the offense not really being where they should have been given who they have on their roster, like defensively. They've been really poor as well, and they and it seemed like you know heading into this season they had a guy in Patrick Sertan who could be a legitimate shutdown cornerback, and I know they traded badly Bradley Chubb at the trade deadline last year, and are kind of trying to piece together who's going to be that pressure type situation, you know, at defensive end slash outside linebacker, and they just don't have it whatsoever. And they very much look like the worst defense in football from an EPA perspective, and I think that fall from grace so quickly um, definitely has to have that fan base in the dumps. And it does seem like they are maybe almost a decade away from even really competing in the AFC West. And that's got to be a really long-term, you know, pessimistic outlook on where they're going to be at for the next 10 years. Ben, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Have a great show. Yep. You're listening to AWOD radio here on the new sports radio, 910, the fan now at one Oh five. 1FM, The Exorcist, Believer, claimed the top spot at the North American box office this weekend. We'll give you the latest around Hollywood and entertainment next on Netflix. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on a Monday in Richmond, Virginia. Phone lines are open, 833 804 0910 broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck and Monday through Friday happy hour is 3 to 6:30 so come on down check out the final hour of the show and then I'll grab a beer with you it's $2 off draft beers $3 off wine $3 off liquor drinks and $3 off special apps including Bavarian pretzels love that got to get it with the beer cheese Belgian style fried fries loaded fries with cheese and bacon uh, fried pickles and five-piece wings all here at Cap Ale Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. And I love broadcasting here at Cap Ale. Everyone should take advantage of the happy hour. It just got happier. Uh, but I just met some listeners last break, and they said, man, you have the best job in America. And, Stubb, I loved that comment. It made me feel so good because I do have a great job. I love going to work every day, and I've told this story before. When I was a kid, my dad and I went to every Redskins game, and on the ride home, he used to let me use his phone to call into radio shows. When I was 12 and 13, I'm screaming at the host, this is why we lost the game. And I've been in love with radio ever since then. So feels great to have your opinion matter. And the listeners, your opinions matter too. That's why the phone lines are always open. You can be the quarterback of this segment, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. So big shout out to the listeners that I just met here at Cap Bale. And I'm here every Monday from 12 to 3 p.m., recapping college football, NFL Sunday, and getting you set for Monday night football. But we are going to mix it up a little bit right now, give you the latest on Hollywood and entertainment. Stubb, I did watch episode two of Survivor. It was much better, much better than episode one. So we'll break that down right now here on Netflix. 
Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. So, Stubb, number one spot at the box office, The Exorcist Believer. I know you're a horror fan. Have you gone to see this yet? I have not gone to see this. I have not heard good things from fans, and I believe The Exorcist to be one of the greatest horror movies ever made, and I, I don't love to see <laughs> it kind of kind of pooped on. When did the original come out? Like 1973 or something like that? I want to right? see. It was yeah, really it's old. It's the 70s movie for sure. Uh, I can yeah. check that for you. I, I've seen yeah, it once before, and it's definitely scary. But I don't know if it's like the scariest movie of all time. Uh, but it's definitely frightening. I've I've always said for me, scariest movie I've ever seen in theaters was the original Paranormal Activity. I mean, my goodness, I have so many memories from going to see that in high school, and I kicked the chair in front of me. I was so scared. I just remember my it was like my the doctor had the little thing and they hit your knee. My leg just kicked out. 2007 Paranormal Activity. I was in ninth grade at the time, and it gave me nightmares for weeks. I mean, my goodness, so scared. Do you remember that movie? Like, do you remember I, Micah? Micah was the main character. I haven't caught that one. That's that's a big gap. Oh, in you've my never horror. even seen that. No. Oh, so have you? So you haven't seen one, two, three, four, or or I think they came out with a fifth one also. Yeah, too? there's a lot. It's it's a it's on my upcoming list. I, I'm gonna hit that one yeah. soon. Maybe All right, what did you want to bring up on Netflix today, man? Well, I want to talk about Survivor now that you've seen episode two. Okay. Because, man, that yellow team, garbage. <laughs> They're going to go down as the worst tribe in the history of Survivor. They're going to get knocked off one by one by one by one until they're completely gone. It's so embarrassing watching them try to compete in these challenges. They get last place and it's not even close. It was actually entertaining to see. I think it was like the red tribe against the purple tribe. That went down to the wire, and then it was like, oh, yeah, Yellow's not even <laughs> close to finishing. Jeff Probst is embarrassed by the Yellow Tribe. <laughs> I, I, what was his name? Brandon? It got to be, yeah, like, the yeah. worst competitor I've ever seen. He, no, no skills. No skills at all. And I, it's so funny how he's telling everyone, I'm good at puzzles. And then during the puzzle, he was like, yeah, I'm just going to wing it. I, I don't know what's going on. And they were like, no, don't wing it, man. Try to study the puzzle. <laughs> Think about it. And, and like, he, he got that, like – tile matching puzzle wrong too I, yeah I it's know. just it, like that by all accounts that girl emily who immediately distrusted everyone and called everyone out she should have been out any other any other team any other season but i know <laughs> i feel bad for emily because she she gets she just keeps getting worse like she's she's just annoying all of her tribe mates and it's like every time they try to you know extend a peaceful handshake to her she's got to like stab them in the back again and, you know time after time she's going to be voted out next week yeah. here's the problem or the funny thing is watch Caleb could win this year he is the worst player on the worst tribe of all time but if he is able to advance to the individual challenges, I do think he's good enough to win. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that the, and they they got like two good players on that team. It's just they half of them from the start were so so bad. I think and Emily at one point I think she said when she was having her emotional moment and started crying that she realized that people weren't like stocks and had real life emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, she's she's like a computer. Yeah. It's so bad. She's such a nerd. Uh, another story I wanted to bring up on Netflix is, uh, today, which is funny. So everyone knows that the 
pop, most popular show on Netflix right now is actually a show that went off the air four years ago. It's called Suits, and it's breaking records by taking the top spot on Nielsen's streaming chart for 12 non-consecutive weeks, passing Ozark. And remember, Suits enjoyed nine seasons and even had a short-lived uh, spinoff called Pearson. I never checked off the spinoff, but I've seen probably seven or eight seasons of the original show Suits. But the show's creator, Aaron Korsh, can't believe its success in its, quote, second life success. He tweeted, I always thought we were underestimated, but it turns out even I underestimated Suits. So, Stubb, have you ever seen Suits? Uh, I've not, but I have. So have I've you, also been seeing stories about this. Yeah, it's just it's wild, and uh, I mean, part of it's obviously because of the writers and the actors' strike, and there hadn't been new shows. But it's also partly Netflix's algorithm, where they do such a great job of kind of like force feeding shows down your throat, but it's always with an actor that you enjoy or a plot line that you like. Right. And lawyer shows are always popular. And so part of the reason I think that is why Suits is being popular again, it's because they're shoving it down your throat. They're saying, yeah, look at this. This is a guy that didn't pass the bar, but now he's a great lawyer. And look, he got Meghan Markle. She got a superstar actor. And it's like for some reason, people are giving it a shot. And then I will say the first seven seasons are so entertaining that everyone just wants to binge. And so I think it does make sense that they're giving getting such a great second life success here on Netflix. But it is it is weird because it's so you know, it went off the air four years ago, but it's the most popular show right now. And it's, and it's the incredible. actors and writers aren't seeing a dime out of this. Yeah, I know. And that's I that's know. the problem. Is is and this has been quoted the most is like they keep seeing it on top and no one's seeing checks from it. Yep. Yep. It sucks. Uh, top five here of the box office report, Blind at 3.1. Do you know anything about that movie, Blind? Uh, the Blind, isn't that that Duck Dynasty oh, story? Right. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> uh, for the creator, it's 6.1 million. I was really excited to see the creator. Uh, my dad, who called into the show earlier, he told me it's the most boring plot of all time. And, and that's disappointing because I, I thought that I was – the biggest uh, fan of uh, Denzel Washington's son, and uh, that he was going to, you know, single-handedly make this an awesome movie. Uh, turns out it's probably terrible. I've heard that it looks sucks. pretty. <laughs> yeah, I, I have too. But uh, my my dad's got a pretty good sense on movies that I like, and he said, "Don't waste your money. Wait till it comes out on the AWOD theater when you can watch it for free." Anything else you wanted to bring up here on Netflix stuff? Um, let's see. I had, oh. Uh, the Exorcist was supposed to come out. It's it's winning the box office this weekend, but it was supposed to come out Friday the 13th of October. The best possible slot for a horror yeah. movie to come out. And you know why it didn't? Why? Because Taylor Swift concert comes out that day. Oh, my goodness. And they are scared. <laughs> you know what, Stubb? You're like the NFL. You're just throwing this... Damn Swift comments at me every week. Oh, there's a new Taylor Swift story. Awad, why don't you know about this? Why aren't you talking about it? It's like the NFL. You know, she wasn't at the game this weekend. They still found a way to talk about her album. My goodness. Enough of it. Enough is enough. Are you? Did you buy your tickets? Are you going to go see it? No, it's like 20 bucks. Yeah, I know. It's so it's expensive. A little too much. I know. I've had enough. Wait, let's talk Travis Kelsey next. We'll get back into the NFL. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. You're rocking with AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. 
Now at 105.1 FM. Got you covered on both ends of the dial here in Richmond. 9.10 AM, 105.1 FM. Always available on the go on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free and just search 9.10 The Fan to hear us Monday through Friday. We're live and local from 12 to 3 p.m. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the Burgundy Zone award-winning podcast, it's Kyle Roenick. What's going on, Kyle? Adam, happy Monday, brother. It's a new Kyle, week. Kyle, what up, man? Opponent. You're on the fan. A new week is facing us. How are you doing? I'm doing good, yeah. man. And the reason I had you on right now is because I know you're like me. You're a homer. You're a diehard fan. I'm so down on this team. I don't want to give up on this season. It's only five weeks, but that Thursday night game just hurt me deep down. I've, I'm trying not to give up on this team. So talk me out of this commander's depression, bro. Give me some positive thoughts. Yeah, that was a really rough Thursday night outing because, you know, the team was really pushing for fans to show up, and they, and they did, and then that performance came out. And I know a lot of people are feeling the same way, but the sky is clear as of the moment. You know, the, yeah, it was storming. But you need to get your butt kicked a little bit to get yourself in gear. And this team I th- has the veterans on it to be able to turn this ship around, Adam. And I think one thing is the pressures brought by the defensive line. Right now, Chase Young is top 10 in the league in pressures generated. Montez Sweat himself is doing a really good job at that. Deron Payne has taken over games up to this point. And John Allen has set the, a franchise record for sacks uh, so far in his career. There's a lot of good things on this defense. And the things that they need to work on are easily fixable. It's a lot about experience, knowing where to be at, what not to do, and these sort of things. You need to have bad situations that happen to you in order for you to learn and get past these. And that's kind of where I'm looking at it with this football team is right now they are really bad defensively. They're 31st in the NFL with 31 points per game giving up, and that has to change immediately. They have to bring that point total down. We knew going into the season, Adam, that the offense needed all the help they could get so they could get up and running up until that point. The defense has given up a lot of points. They have to limit those. But we have the pieces in place to be able to get it done. That being said, past couple of years, they start out really slow, and then the defense starts to get going. I'm confident that they'll be able to do that again this year, Adam. So don't worry. It's not like they've thrown everything at the wall and nothing works. They still have some, uh, they have some other things that they can go to to help. Kyle, I think you could also argue this team was just gassed. I mean, Rivera's boys played on empty. Nothing in the tank after the hard-fought battle against Philadelphia in overtime. I mean, do you agree? Could you just say, hey, they had no juice. That's why they lost 40-20 to on Thursday night. No, I don't like that excuse. I know that they did play in overtime. It was a hard-fought game. They fought their butt off to get to try to win it, and they didn't. But the Bears were on a short week, too. And the Bears look like a completely different team facing up against them. They look like they were ready to play. They had a game plan ready, and they executed that game plan. On the other side, it almost seemed like we weren't not taking it seriously, but it was like a punch in the face, kind of like, oh, now we're playing football again, and which is not something you want to see out of a football team with as many veterans as they do. Yes, they're still young, but in the same breath, they have veterans on this team that are in a position that are – vocal leaders that could say, hey, this is not the way that we do things. We're going into this expecting their best. And that's kind of how I looked at it. It was, it was very weird. I will say that going down 27 to three to Chicago is not something I expected. I would have seen something like that, like that against Buffalo, but against Chicago, that was a complete letdown. I think it was all based on effort. And I think that is something that can be fixed, but cannot be consistent if you want to be able to make the playoffs this season. Offensively. Two three and outs to start the game, and then 
55 consecutive pass plays as they tried to come back. What's your take on that? I have no problem with it. I mean, Biennemi coaches to win no matter the score, and uh, he, he might give Sam Howell a, a couple extra hits here and there, but I think it's good for him in the long run. So, to me, I have no problem with it. You're not watching the same team if you're blaming Howell or at the offense at all for the past three straight losses. Yeah, and I can understand why they threw the ball a lot. Chicago's defense is 29th in the NFL in passing yards, and they were top 15 in rushing yards. They were very good defensively against the run. And look, let's think back to New England. There was a point when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the late 2000s, there was one game where they didn't even run the ball once. They threw it the entire time. Just do what you need to do to score points. And that's what this football team did in the second half, but it took way, way too long. I think the offense is doing what they're supposed to do. We expected this. We expected hiccups. But my big thing that I need is Sam Howell to show consistency at him. You know, week one, he had pretty good. Week two was pretty good. Week one, he had his hiccups. Week three was a major hiccup. Then week four last week, he does a very good job. He does what he needs to do. He doesn't turn over the football, gets the ball in the playmaker's hands. But then everyone else falls apart, and we haven't seen a complete game from this entire team. But that being said, we need Howell to be that consistent force. And it's hard to do for a young quarterback who's basically a rookie going against some very good defenses. But it's a lot to ask. He's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. But I think Sam Howell is the type of leader that you can really depend on. I said this earlier in the spaces. Sam Howell's junior year, the offense was all on his shoulders. He had to run. He had to throw, running for his life. His sophomore year, he had Javante Williams. He had Diami Brown at North Carolina. They were more balanced in that sense. What we need to do is get back to the sophomore year, Sam Howell, so he doesn't feel like he has to do everything. Because Sam Howell against the Bears is like our leading rusher. And that cannot be the case. That's a bad formula for Sam. Like we saw his junior year in North Carolina, you have to keep him balanced. And the defense has a responsibility there of keeping, of limiting that point total down so they can run the football. Because at that point, they had to throw. Yeah, I mean, they got to do a better job of getting off the field quicker, especially on third downs. I mean, both of the early touchdown passes to uh, DJ Moore came on third down. There's something going on defensively, though, and I want to read between the lines here and maybe get your take on this. I don't know if Jack Del Rio has lost the defensive locker room or what, but something's going on there where they're not playing the way they did at the end of the last season. And then there's also something with Jamin Davis, where at the end of last season, with about five or six games left, he started really playing well. And Ron Rivera noticed it and rewarded him and made him the Mike linebacker. Well, this season, it's been Cody Barton getting the majority of the snaps at middle linebacker I'm not sure if Jamin maybe didn't like that role or if he hasn't excelled in it in the offseason. What happened? Because Cody Barton's not good enough. And there's a replay that's going viral of Cody Barton looking like a high school player trying to guard Cole Komet. Yeah, and Cole Komet's a good tight end, but Cody Barton should be able to defend against him. Defensively, they have kind of fallen apart here. They're 31st at points per game. They're 20th in third down percentage. They're 21st in passing yards allowed, and they're 23rd in rushing yards allowed. That Those aren't stats that you are familiar with with this defense. It seems like in the first part of the season, they don't gel well together. And last season, Cam Curl was injured. Then he came back, and everything started to mesh. Everything started to look really good. This year, you don't have that to hang your hat on, really, because there's nobody, nobody to really add in here. That being said, the linebackers have to do a lot better. What I have seen, Adam, is you have these stretch plays where the offensive linemen will combo block your defensive tackles. And what they're doing is these offenses are realizing 
they can use defensive linemen on defensive on John Allen and on Deron Payne, and then combo block up to linebackers. And our linebackers are not going to cut that off, which is an easy lane for them. They're going to run laterally, which allows that lineman to get upfield and block them five to six yards down the field, which is what we saw in those third and sevens, which is not acceptable whatsoever with this defensive line, with this defense, with this coordinator, to allow multiple long third downs to be gotten on the, on the ground is unheard of for this group. And they have to fix that because there are big issues here. I think the linebackers themselves have to pick up because if you expect your DBs to come down in the box in the run game and to be able to make those tackles for you, you're in a very, very bad position, Adam. And that's why I kind of see with this defense right now is they're like, who, somebody needs to stand up and make a play. And it seems like the leaders on the teams aren't, aren't the ones doing that in those crucial, important situations. And somebody needs to. And I wish that Jack Del Rio would actually be able to come up with some hard, hard-looking formations. Because it seems like every offense, even though we run a blitz with a corner or a safety, even if they come down late, the offense is expecting it. And they're throwing yeah. a play right to it. Or they're adding extra protection for it. How do they know it's coming? We have to be more creative in the way to confuse offenses because of right now it seems way too cookie cutter and these teams are coming in here in their, their first 15 play script and they're getting down the field, they're scoring points at ease, and that cannot be the case with a young quarterback and an offensive line that struggles to hold up pass rushers. Yeah, you got to stop the run, and that starts this weekend against a tough rushing attack in the Atlanta Falcons. That's the pod father, Kyle Roenick. Follow him on social media at the Burgundy Zone. Check out the Burgundy Zone podcast, available on Spotify and iTunes. Thanks a lot, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Have a great Monday. Yep, and um, we'll go around the NFL with all-out blitz coming up next. And, and surprise, surprise, the top-ranked NFL defensive player by Pro Football Focus comes on the top-ranked NFL team, and that's Nick Posa for the San Francisco 49ers. We discuss the pass rushers on All Out Blitz next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, and I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House. Here in Innsbruck, come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. But also, everybody should know that Cap Ale owns the late night. That's because you get half-off appetizers and double rewards points Sunday through Thursday from 9 p.m. to close. That's why this is the best place to check out Monday Night Football. Half-off giant Bavarian pretzel, half-off Belgian-style fries, half-off calamari, half-off fried pickles, spinach and shrimp dip, and more on the late-night menu Sunday through Thursday from 9 p.m. to close. So the NFL past five weeks here, so the first five weeks of the season, and the Dallas Cowboys have actually been, until last night, the top-scoring defense. Well, the top defenses against the Rush have been the Detroit Lions, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Top against passing have been the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. And statistically, in total defense, the Browns, Cowboys, and Ravens have been the top three teams. Uh, that was before last night when the Cowboys gave up a ton of points and yards to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but look, every every 
show around the country is going to focus in on the quarterback. That's the guy, that's the sexy position out there. They have the ball in their hands the most. A lot of radio shows you're going to hear, they're going to talk about running backs. They're going to talk about wide receivers. They're going to talk about fantasy players that impact your team. Well, on AWOD Radio, we focus on the defenders, the pass rushers, the sack leaders, the game changers that if they can get after the quarterback can disrupt your entire offense. For Washington, that's been Chase Young. We'll break it down right now here on All Out Blitz. This is the All Out Blitz on AWOD Radio. Throughout the NFL season, we track the sack leaders, the game changers, the unstoppable. Who will be the NFL's best pass rusher this season? Find out on the All Out Blitz. All right, Montez Sweat finds himself in the top 10 for sack leaders with four and a half this season. Chris Jones, who missed a game for Kansas City, also in the top 10 with four and a half. Nick Bonito has been the pass rush leader at linebacker for the Denver Broncos. He's got five and a half sacks. Miles Garrett is actually the third-ranked defender in all of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, with a defensive rating of 92.3. He's also had 5.5 sacks. uh, But the thing that he's done really impressive has been five tackles for loss. He's uh, accumulated 44 negative yards for offenses with his tackles for losses. Uh, he also has 10 total tackles on the season and one forced fumble. Leonard Floyd leading the way for the Buffalo Bills with five and a half sacks. Josh Allen went up against Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, against the linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Josh Allen, the defender, won that individual matchup as the Jags defeated the Bills in London. And he now has six sacks on the season. It's Trey Hendrickson, the sack leader for the Cincinnati Bengals. And that defense has turned it around as of late. He has six sacks on the season. Danielle Hunter was able to get after Patrick Mahomes as Minnesota almost came back and won that game, loses 27-20, but he's number three in the NFL through five weeks with six sacks. Khalil Mack, oh my goodness, he jumped one of this list with four sacks in one game last week. He's only played in four games this season for the Chargers. He's got six sacks, but the defensive leader in the NFL, and if you think back, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense won that game against the Baltimore Ravens. That offense did nothing for the entire game. Well, the defense gets a safety, gets an interception in the end zone, and then with the game on the line and the Ravens needing a late score, it's T.J. Watt who recovers the fumble of the strip of Lamar Jackson. He recovers it, runs for about 10 yards before being tackled. He has eight sacks on the season, seven tackles for loss. He's got 15 total tackles, four pass defense uh, where he's broken up screen passes. He's recovered three fumbles, one of them for a touchdown. He single-handedly has put the Pittsburgh Steelers on top of a very tough division there with Cincinnati, Cleveland, and the Baltimore Ravens. It's T.J. Watt who's the sack leader through five weeks. But according to Pro Football Focus, here are the top three defenders making impacts on the National Football League. We mentioned Miles Garrett's three. Demarcus Lawrence of the Dallas Cowboys is two. And Nick Bosa ranked number one with a 93.8 defensive uh, um, rating by Pro Football Focus. Another thing that we look at here on All Out Blitz is who are the, which team 
is the leader for sacks. And obviously with T.J. Watt, the Steelers are going to be up there. They are number four with 17. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, who just became the commander's all-time sack leader in franchise history. They're in the top five with 16 sacks. Steelers at 17-4. and four. Uh, Three, the Miami Dolphins. We talk a lot about that Dolphins offense, but the defense has been able to get tackles for losses and sacks with 17 sacks. They've been able to get off the field. The Baltimore Ravens, the offense is struggling at times. The defense, they come to play. They have 18 sacks on the season, but the team that's actually leading with pass rush right now is the Buffalo Bills with 21 sacks on the season. Also, eight interceptions for the Bills through five weeks they have been very impressive so those are your sack leaders your pass rushers here that are leading the national football league on all out blitz i wanted to end the show by previewing the monday night football matchup if you go back to last week i gave this a one star matchup it's really not a good game for monday night football all eyes on the green bay packers at 2-2, two two, traveling to Vegas to face off against the 1-3 Raiders. For the Raiders, Devontae Adams has at least shown up this season. 33 catches for 397 yards and three touchdowns, including one game where he was targeted 19 different uh, attempts by the quarterback. Jordan Love has been decent for the Packers this season. 900 yards, eight, a good touchdown-interception ratio at 8-3. Uh, but this is a Packers team that's coming off of a Thursday night football butt whooping to the Detroit Lions. So that's what they've got going for them, is they've had a full 10 days to prepare for this matchup on the road in Vegas. And that's why I am going to take the Green Bay Packers uh, to win this contest here against the Raiders. Uh, I do think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I'll take the under at 45 and a half and give me the pack to win this game on the money line. Appreciate everybody listening to the show today. Thanks to Cap Ale. Always treat me well. Stubb doing a great job producing. It's Grant and Danny coming up next live from Washington, D.C. here on The Fan.